Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good morning, Dr. Paul. How are you? Very good. good. Very good. Doing well. I'm going to go into a subject that we've mentioned before, and it's not literally anything like COVID, another COVID story, yeah. or an Afghan story. But it has to do with, you know about the insurrection? Did you yeah. know there was an attempted insurrection? No, there was an insurrection. Yes. And people have been, uh, you know, in big trouble for that. And they've used the insurrection as an excuse for doing a lot more harm, passing legislation. And, and, uh, and believe you, uh, they, there's been plenty of politicization of it, too, because uh, it was unusual. It was different. Uh, there, there was, uh, I think, some, some traffic tickets should have been passed out for the way these rowdy people acted. But there are some serious things that came out of there, yes. too. One that really is a bother is uh, the uh, people still in prison. And uh, here, you know, we're really, really worried about how the civil liberties are going to be treated in Afghanistan. And it's a real problem. And the Afghanis have a problem. But uh, my argument in Washington always was, you know, as uh, much as we can say something and take a position and if you want to go over there and volunteer work, that's, that's one thing. But uh, until we have perfect... Uh, treatment of all groups and all individuals, the most important group, uh, and, and civil liberties are protected here, we have no right to be uh, overly concerned. Besides, sometimes when I look at their concerns about civil liberties over there when it comes to the women and the girls and all, that's, uh, that might be uh, you know, a convenient way of, of uh, stirring up the trouble. But I, I don't want to talk so much on that because uh, our friend Jonathan Turley yeah. has been interviewed. I think he was discussing an article in The Hill, yes. and he was dissecting out uh, this uh, killing of Ashley Babbitt. Mm -hmm. We have mentioned that. Others have, but uh, she. Uh, everybody knows she did it. It took, it took a lot for us to find out who it was, and uh, now that's out and all, but it's all settled. It's all settled. It, it went to the Justice Department and found out uh, no infractions of the rules of the laws, totally free, and uh, and that's it. And uh, but in the but for various reasons and theories, he wanted to come clean and get it out on the table, you know, and, and what his position was because there will probably be a civil case, and they some argue that he's setting the the the, the standards for for this civil case coming up. But uh, it's uh, it seems so strange though that uh, he he had he had it with a friendly reporter from a, uh, uh, CNN. Yeah, and. Uh, it, the whole thing is, according to Turley and others, anybody else that had a, a lick of sense about, you know, the court system, he said that uh, the, the position that they take and uh, Jonathan took is that he crucified himself if there was real law going on, you know, yeah. because because uh, he, in a way, what I got from Jonathan's argument was uh, that he admitted to doing a lot and he claimed it was following the book 
and sometimes he would express what the book said, and it was completely opposite. Yeah. It's it just so bizarre. Uh, so what, what comes of this, we don't know, but uh, I, I think this is going to be talked about for a bit uh, longer. But the real tragedy, of course, was the killing, the yeah. needless killing. Yeah. And one of the justifications they used uh, to say that maybe the police did have that much authority because it was an insurrection. And, and, and nobody proved anything about an insurrection. They said, well, did she have a gun? Oh, no, she didn't have a gun. And nobody had a gun. Yeah. And uh, the only person killed was by this policeman uh, that Jonathan, you know, talks a little bit about. And we might mention some things because he, he hasn't done himself uh, much good by being out there. Because if this was a real uh, uh, effort to come across justice, he, it turns out that uh, he's, he's not one of the good guys. Yeah. Well, Turley is no apologist for the people that were in the Capitol on January 6th. In fact, he's very, very harsh. He was very critical from the very beginning. He did not like it at all. But one of the things we like about Turley is that he's very objective. He's not partisan. Uh, he's not oh. steeped in this, in this stuff. So, so what he did is he took a look at the justification uh, that the officer himself gave, Officer Byrd. He gave it in the interview. One of the things that stood out was when he said, that's my job. You know, and that's amazing to shoot an unarmed woman who is posing literally no threat to you. That's my job. I mean, that doesn't sound very good. But the interview you're talking about where he was very, very self-serving, patting himself on the back, saying that he saved countless lives by shooting an unarmed Air Force veteran. It doesn't make any sense if you're in the rational world, if you're in the thinking world, because there were no lives being threatened. Yes. There was some unacceptable violence by some of the protesters, and they should face justice for that. But the important point that Turley makes is by the standards set down by the Department of Justice in reviewing the shooting and the Capitol Hill police by saying no further action will be taken, essentially what they're saying is under the standard established by that review of the shooting, and this is Turley saying this, under the standard, hundreds of rioters could have been gone down on January 6th. Uh, hundreds and hundreds could have been gone down. In addition to the people all last summer who were out rioting, burning down Apple stores, the police could have just picked them all off. And not to even mention or suggest the difference between uh, what happens uh, on the streets when the uh, races are, are reversed yes. or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there is no sense of justice. And here, here it is that he's doing. But I think this whole thing is they, they tried to justify, and I guess for the courts, which was totally biased, that's why, you know, when it comes to the FBI and the CIA and the Justice Department, um, I'm sure there's some good people there, and I guess if you ever have to defend yourself there, you sure hope you meet a couple. But that that is so so sad on what happens, and and then we and we send people around the world, lose lives, kill a lot of people. A lot of our soldiers get killed because these other countries aren't living within the law, you know. And just just think of this, and to get this on the books. 
uh, hopefully this is so bizarre and so outrageous that it will never become a precedent for it. But if they use these terms, uh, I guess they, they can get away with it, uh, but, but, but they're not true. They're, they're not true. And the, the, uh, the rules, really, when you look at it, are pretty, pretty good at restricting uh, the, the, the police in their use of violence. And, uh, you know, this is hardly the case when, uh, you know, some of the killings by the police on the, in the inner city, uh, you know, it could have been done a different way, you know, and somebody does get killed. But uh, it, it's, uh, it's a little bit different than killing this uh, woman. Uh, and he, he never didn't even know if she had a gun or not. Yeah. And there was no, she committed no violence. She, she, she committed, and, and Jonathan has that point. She, she committed infraction, but, but really it was a, a, a basis of, they, I imagine 99% of them were uh, demonstrators because, you know, this is one place where, <laughs> you know, the FBI was sort of, wow, they came out and they said there was no conspiracy, yeah. you know, but it just was coincidental, I guess, that uh, Babbitt was a Trump supporter. Yeah. Well, this Officer Michael Byrd looks like, at best, incompetent, bumbling. He was written up because he left his loaded pistol in the bathroom once. <laughs> And as Turley reports, uh, he thought that his rank as lieutenant and role as commander of the House Chambers would protect him, that he expected, quote, be treated differently when he made infractions like this. A lot of people that know more about guns than I do say that his uh, trigger discipline was very, very bad in some of those pictures that we saw him inside the chambers. Uh, but you're right, the whole thing falls apart when the FBI says, there was no insurrection. There was no organized political movement to take over and overthrow the government. That underscores, uh, undermines everything that he says. But the real point, Dr. Paul, the real thing that we've seen is that when you demonize people to the point where they're considered subhuman, and that's what's been done with people like her and Trump supporters, when you demonize them to the point where a subhuman then it's almost no problem to kill them. It's almost justified to kill them. And we've seen this throughout history. Sadly, we saw it in Nazi Germany. When you demonize a group of people, Trump supporters, what have you, uh, then there's no, there's no repercussions to killing them. And I think that's what we're seeing. You know, it's, uh, it pleases us when uh, we get a ruling from the FBI that says there's no conspiracy and there's somebody, it looks like they're, they're speaking the, the truth. But then when you compare uh, what they did with the policeman by exonerating him, and he, there was no guilt, he didn't break any rules, no laws, nothing. And then you say, well, are the people who were arrested uh, you know, for uh, uh, going in, and some people theorize that they were actually encouraged to go in by some of the yeah. <laughs> some of the policemen uh, that were supposed to be protecting the building, and uh, there there's a bunch of them still in prison, yeah. held without bail. That has to be a vicious crime. Yeah, that's what they should be dealing with, and yet, boy, boy, they got rid of this case fast. Boom, he's okay. But uh, you know, sometimes justice wins out in the end, and there will be a civil case, which is always so messy. Can you imagine needing to go to a civil court after you lose uh, a loved one? Yeah. But but uh, uh, in this case, it's actually a step in the direction of trying to get uh, you know a little bit of fairness put in here, a little bit of justice deserving. Uh, it. it 
I don't I don't think he's been removed. He hasn't been guilty of anything. Yeah, yeah, no, so no, uh, when, a when the case comes up, which is going to take a long time, you yeah. know, it's going to take uh, years probably before they close that case. Well, you make a great point, and that is this is political justice. All of these people who've been rotting away in these horrible jails for very, very minor charges, conspiracy and trespassing, while you have a guy who shot an unarmed woman who's let off because he's favored by the political class and these unwashed Trump supporters are not favored by the political, political class. We've seen that before. It's called the Soviet Union and that's the way we're heading. Speaking of that, our next story that we want to cover is very interesting. And actually, let's put up that next. This is just a little graphic to show what we're going to talk about. But it's very fascinating. Homeschooled children increased from 13,000 in 1973 to 5 million in 2020. That's incredible. What growth. You know, sometimes uh, or frequently we use the, the term unintended consequences. Don't do that. There will be unintended consequences. You're going out there to save the world. You're going to print some money and help everybody else and the economy is going to thrive. The unintended consequences or sometimes it's intended consequences too. But in this case, the unintended consequences, no way would they say that, uh, matter of fact, I think it surprised a lot of people how quickly this has happened. But you know, the interesting thing is, the dates I think you cited just now, uh, the long-term and short-term, and there was a real boost in this last year, uh, but uh, it's been trending that way. You know, yeah. for, for a couple decades, there's been more and more. But I think what's happening now is there's an acceleration from the uh, the COVID lockdown and the insanities. But they're just continuing and accelerating. They got away with that kind of nonsense. And that just encourages them to do more now. But now the people are starting to speak out. And thank goodness there's still an option. Because in the, in the early 80s, I recall uh, at that time there was a lot of state legislation that was really, really bearing down on homeschoolers. Yeah. And there were some court cases that, that were ruled favorably and uh, homeschooling then, you know, grew in, in numbers and, they, and it sti still is. And it's growing tremendously. Uh, even our, uh, our homeschooling program, the, our Ron Paul curriculum has grown significantly in this past year or so. And uh, people are looking and it, it isn't like we had a megaphone uh, we try to spread our message, but it, it, it wasn't like that. It was just people are looking around. And uh, I, I think many, many people come to our program because of uh, just, uh, you know, dealing with this program as, as well as uh, word of mouth, you yeah. know, and that's a good way to do it because, they, oh, you homeschool your kids. Uh, and, and that is, so that's why we should be very, very uh, alert to uh, watching for the next crackdown yeah. uh, on there, you know, uh, we we look look how they crack down on medical care when they don't like it. Look how they crack down on monetary things when they don't like it, and that's why. Uh, and there are some places that they're being harassed already, you know, and they have been. But uh, that uh, they'll they'll decide homeschooling is an asset to the insurrection. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and that's that's the reason we have to close them down. Well, it's interesting here in Texas, and this is from the article, one of the articles we read this morning, from August 20 of 2020 to August of 2021, there has been a 500% increase in homeschooling in Texas, here in Texas. Five-fold increase 
in homeschoolers according to the Texas Homeschool Association. And it's a little ironic that we're talking about this today because as we speak, my wife and two daughters are in the homeschool co-op. We have <laughs> we formed a co-op, a local community co-op, where, where, where parents share some of the burden of teaching different things that they're expertise in. And so I think that parents are realizing that, you know, the old image of homeschooling where you have your kids around and you, and you, you know, it, it's so much of a pressure on the parent. It's not the case anymore. There's so many options. You know, we use a hybrid option. We have a co-op that we go and the kids enjoy some of the social aspects. They learn a lot. Um, uh, they also take the Ron Paul curriculum for certain classes and they, and they learn a lot from that. We also, we couldn't get chemistry, so we got a couple of families together and found a chemistry teacher and that <laughs> person to teach that. So there's a lot of ways you can do it. And one of the best things about it is you starve the state because they're not sitting yeah, in those seats. It's not an all or nothing thing yeah. like most, some people think that uh, you're either in the government schools or the mother is teaching every single subject yeah, and yeah. she's sitting beside their child all day long. Yeah. That's just not true. It can be if you want it, but it's, it doesn't yeah. have to be. You know, uh, I want to state these statistics that's been around for a while, but uh, they're really, really fascinating that 41% are non-white. Huh, yeah, yeah I noticed that. that. So 41% the non-white, they're black, uh, Asian, and Hispanics. And there's the biggest jump is in those groups yeah, for homeschooling. Yeah, and one of the, the strongest motivation, uh, you know, even before COVID, uh, has been the uh, critical race theory. Yeah. People that hits home, it, yeah. hits, it hits at the family, and this uh, this thing has excited people to the point where they're looking for for options. And, uh, and there's, there's legislation being proposed in in California, yeah. and uh, the, the people promote, promoting it sort of identifies what's going on. And it's a it's a bill called uh, 101, and uh, it's putting pressure on and forcing uh, this. Uh, 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 this race theory yeah, and, yeah. and there's resistance to it but people recognize this as being literally the people behind it uh, fit into the category of those individuals who support uh, you, you know uh, cultural Marxism yeah. and uh, that's why we've seen it in the colleges for a good many years now we're seeing in the Congress we're seeing a reflection of it and everybody say well, it's over they won we lost I say no People are just starting to see it, and people are waking up, and the opposition to this is going to grow and grow, and the homeschool system is going to help do that. Yes, and even in California, the homeschool applications, according to this article, have doubled during the 2020-2021 school year, doubled in California. And you ask the question, well, maybe what's, what, what's that? Well, of course, the, all of the restrictions on kids. Uh, but as you pointed out, and let's put up that next clip, because this is what you were talking about, Dr. Paul. We saw this. Uh, we saw this today in uh, the, the Federalist publication. Meet the Marxist revolutionaries behind California's emerging ethnic studies for public schools. They want to pass this bill to force students to take ethnic studies. And as usual, you see the groups behind it. And in fact, let's look at that next one. This is from that article from the Federalists. Let's look at that next group. This is the organization that is designing the curriculum. Their goals are explicit and extreme, and they quote from them. This is the Union del Barrio. Quote, revolutionary nationalism demands a complete transformation of the social, economic, and political institutions that presently form the basis of our oppression. Uh, so what they want to do is they want to have an abolition of borders, government by race-based socialist collective, destruction of Western liberalism. Union del Barrio is one of these groups that are involved in doing this. 
No wonder parents, and I'm sure a lot of Hispanic parents, they don't want to have anything to do with this garbage. Right. Um, I'm going to move on to another subject, yeah. not a new subject, <laughs> but, but but different than uh, the homeschooling, and that that has has to do with um, uh, the vaccinations, and and uh, this is an article that came from Lou's side, Lou Rockwell's side, and it, the title is "60% of those older than 50 who die from COVID have been double vaxxed." Huh. Interesting. It doesn't. You mean it doesn't work? <laughs> you know this whole thing. When I read the stories about uh, somebody comes down with this and they rush off and they might be well into the disease and and they want their vaccination and uh, and then they'll start talking about uh, uh, ivermectin and uh, hydroxy. And uh, I think one of the the big th things about that is. A lot of that stuff that would hit these articles that, and the doctors who say we could have kept 85% out of the hospital, it was early diagnosis, early treatment, making it readily available and not being impeded by government rules yeah. and regulations. Instead, the government takes over and has caused a great deal uh, of, of trouble. And that, I think, is, is where it is. So if, uh, if they can get the medication earlier, it, it, it's going to even be better. But... Uh, it, it's just disgusting and heartbreaking to know that uh, here, here uh, that this one statistic that we have already quoted is 85% of the people, uh, you know, would not probably had to be admitted to the hospital. Yeah, and yeah. Then, now, then the hospitals get jammed up and then they uh, all have, uh, I, I don't even think the, uh, the experts can identify exactly what back. Uh, what virus they're treating, yeah. you know, the, the virus changed by nature, and, and yet what if they tried to have a virus? I think of it, if, if the, cold was a little, the cold was a little bit worse or the virus it changed, what if they kept racing at it and racing yeah. at it? You'd have what we have here, and if you don't support it, you don't care about people, you want to kill people, and you're certainly not a patriotic American. And that 85% you quoted, that's from Fauci. 85% of people <laughs> treated with the antibodies could get out of the, avoid going to the hospital. So that's not us making it up. Well, I had, a, I had also a slightly similar, these are my last couple of things. Let's put up that next clip. This is from, uh, this is from Zero Hedge, but this is kind of an interesting twist on it, though. You can get a little bit bigger on that one. Uh, and I doubt this will happen, but CDC advisory panel hints that it won't back Biden's booster jab plan. It's not about the booster jab, in my opinion. Uh, what I found fascinating about this article was, first of all, it opens with a discussion of shares, stock shares, BioNTech, Moderna, and Pfizer will be closely watched on Tuesday after the CDC's advisory panel, et cetera, et cetera. Let's look at the next uh, clip. This is from the same article, and I've highlighted it as well. Graybush believes the meeting indicates that, quote, an uptick in third doses may not come as rapidly as investors have been expecting <laughs> investors it's fascinating to see this in terms of massive massive profits being generated from these companies and look as rather than a, a, an issue of public health and that brings me to my final thing which is that humor we know is often very effective uh, sarcasm is very effective hyperbole is effective the babylon b i think is one of the masters at this looks look at this last quote dr paul in jest but hilariously possible uh, that's a little big now. I can't read it. Uh, 
Costco introduces new five-gallon family-sized Pfizer vaccine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyone that goes to Costco knows what, it, what it's like, but that's, uh, that's a funny kind of, uh, but very effective humor. You know, they probably don't even care if it's wasted <laughs> because the government probably has already paid for it. So the, but, but you know, this idea of the president and the CDC uh, debating among themselves and the uh, CDC saying they're disagreeing maybe with what the president wants to do. And I got to think, isn't this the weirdest thing in the world? We want a debate. We want a debate between the scientists and the doctors yeah. who treat patients and the ones who don't. That was, well, that's been one of the biggest beef is uh, that, that uh, uh, the people on TV and the people who, who are arguing they have control of the CDC, they've never taken care of a patient. Yeah. So we have this argument between the president and the CDC. The president shouldn't be practicing medicine. The CDC shouldn't be practicing medicine. They should be practicing trying to understand and study what individual liberty is and what voluntarism is all about and personal choices and what doctor-patient relations should be like and getting out this public health thing that uh, is nothing more than a political scandal and a money-making machine. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to close by saying this will be my last day doing the show for a few days. I'm, we're leaving this afternoon for Washington, D.C. for the Ron Paul Institute Conference. We're excited to see so many of you uh, at the conference. Again, it is, it's, we, this is a record. I think we sold out three times because we got a bigger venue and had more tickets and had more. So now we're completely sold out for the third time in this conference. It'll be the biggest Ron Paul Institute Conference ever. It's going to be a blast, and I'm looking forward to it. Good. Am, am I invited to this conference? I heard that you're going to be there. Okay. <laughs> I better get my ticket. <laughs> right? And you're going to drive. You're brave. You're going to get there, though. I hope so. <laughs> no. And I, I want to thank our viewers once again for all the support that you give us. And we are excited about seeing people there, too. And uh, it, it was so disappointing this past year and a half because we had to do some readjusting. Uh, I'd have been throwing my arms up about how to schedule this, but Daniel's handled it. He, he's, uh, he adjusts very easily. But I won't tell you exactly what he says when he's not on the camera, you know. <laughs> so, but, uh, no, it's, it's been, it, it will be fun, and we look forward to it. And I think the big thing is it's confirming my belief and my suggestion is that people should get together who are like-minded. That is certainly important in the, uh, in the midst of a financial and social crisis because you have to know where your, where your friends are and your family is and all these things because there will be a need for people to give support to each other. So this is a, this is a time to meet people. And uh, if, if you come for that reason, in serious discussion and a lot of material, but you have to have fun if you come to one of our meetings because I think it's, it's too serious if you take every single word. I had to work at it during this so-called pandemic to try to convince myself, well, you know, it's not quite so bad. And when I, when I finally was convinced that uh, it, it will all end, and it will end when an idea has time come, whose time will have come, and it will be changed, and we have the evidence that that is approaching more and more people every day. Daniel has put up some pictures, I believe, yesterday of showing people run the world, not 100 or 200 or 300, but many thousands of people because it's become acceptable to change direction and that to me is a sign that we should be satisfied with the direction we're going and once again thank you for your support we well, thank everybody for tuning in today to the liberty report please come back soon